0: Well, good morning. Let's try it again. Good morning. good morning. All right, that's much better. Well, welcome to TBA. We are so glad you are here. And if you are here for the first time, if this is your first time at TBA, we are extremely glad that you guys are here with us this morning. Um, when you came in this morning, you got a bulletin, and on the bottom of your bulletin is a connection card. And the connection card for us is just a way for us to communicate back and forth with each other. So if this is your first time, what I would ask you to do is just fill out that connection card with a little bit of information. If you'll put your email address on there, we'll send you a nice little email just thanking you for coming. If you'll actually put your address on there, I'll actually send you a a gift card to Brewster's. Yay, Brewster's. So... um, So if you'll do that for us and then just drop that in the offering box on your way out, that would be great. Also, if you have any questions about TBA, there are some really sweet people at guest services, and they've got a little gift bag for you if it's your first time here. So make sure you stop by and pick that up. Uh, Just a couple announcements before we start. Uh, On April 7th, which is the first Sunday in April, We are having our newcomer's lunch. So if you've been coming to TBA for a little bit and you want to know a little bit more about who we are and what we're about, make sure you sign up on your connection card for newcomer's lunch and then come to that lunch. It's after the second service on that Sunday and uh, you'll get lunch on us and we'll get to try to talk to you and meet with you and answer any questions you have. Also uh, coming really soon in June, uh, we have French students. French students are coming. Uh, And we need host families. We need people to take these students in their homes. If you have not hosted a French student before, I would highly encourage you to sign up to do that. It's a very um, amazing experience. Um, We've done it twice, and both times we've made really, really good connections with the students And um, to the point where we still talk to them now, even though they're back in France. We talk to them and talk to their whole family. And it's really a great way for you to share the love of Jesus Christ with somebody who has never experienced that. So I highly encourage you to sign up for that. And um, that's all the announcements, right? Oh, Easter's next week. Uh, we're having an Easter egg hunt. Don't forget that. Make sure you bring a, uh, your kid brings a, a basket to collect eggs in. If they don't, it's okay. We'll have t shirt bags for them. So that'll be good. All right. So I have a question for you. And if you were in the first service and you cheat, I'm going to get on you. So don't cheat. So, for people who aren't in the first service, I have a question. And the first person that can answer will get this really cool t shirt, okay? So, my question is what is the highest rated TV show on TV today? The highest rated. I can't. What? I can't hear. The Walking Dead, yes, thank you very much. Congratulations. The Walking Dead, believe it or not, The Walking Dead beats out NCIS, Big Bang Theory, and even American Idol. It is the highest rated TV show on TV today. Um, it's basically what the show is about, the show is about um, uh, this virus that kills The whole population of the earth except for a few people uh, and they're dead and then they come back as zombies and they try to uh, eat everybody else who's still alive and so the people who are still alive have to defend themselves against all these zombies. So what I want you to do uh, for the next two minutes is I want you to turn to your neighbor and if you don't know them introduce yourself to them but turn to them and say hello and tell them what you would do to prepare for the zombie apocalypse. Go ahead do that. Don't expect me to moonwalk. <laughs> it's not going to happen. All right, they worked really hard on that, so thank you guys for doing that, because I know they put a lot of work into it. So, um, Have any of you all ever seen the show Preppers? Anybody seen that show? I love Preppers. Preppers is a great show, I guess because part of my personality is that personality that always wants to be prepared for any contingency. There's actually a show on TV that preps for the zombie apocalypse i'm not joking these people really believe that at some point the dead will walk the earth and as crazy as those people are and they are crazy uh, what if i was to say to you that the zombie apocalypse actually is happening right now would you believe me because it actually is well not really but yes really so i want to show you what i mean We're going to be continuing in our study of Ephesians today. And um, if you've been with us the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about, uh, uh, in chapter 1, Paul talks about all the possessions that we have in Christ, the spiritual blessings that we have, that we have every spiritual blessing in Christ, adoption, forgiveness, redemption, inheritance, all of that because of what Christ has done for us on the cross. And all of that, all those possessions that we have, are guaranteed by the Holy Spirit living in us. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit. So in chapter one, we're talking about the spiritual possessions that we have in Christ. But as we move to chapter 2, Paul shifts and talks about our spiritual position in Christ. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Now, chapter 2 is broken down into two main themes. The first one is that we are raised. This is our position. We are raised and seated on the throne with Christ. That's verses 1 through 10. And we're going to talk about that this morning. And then in a couple of weeks um, after Easter, Ed's going to come back and talk about how we're reconciled and set in the temple, which are verses 11 through 22. So, If you have a Bible, or an iPad, or an iPhone that has a Bible on it, go ahead and open up to Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to start looking at the very first verse. So let's look at the first verse. Now, this is what Paul talks about our condition was. This is our condition. We were dead. And it says in verse 1, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. So here's where the zombie part comes in. Paul isn't talking about our physical death. Although sin does lead to physical death, that's not what he's talking about here. Paul is talking about a spiritual death, meaning those that are without Christ are not able to understand and know about spiritual things. They possess possess no spiritual life. See, just as in physical death, a a person who is dead cannot respond to stimuli, a person who is dead can't respond to light, sound, they can't see, they can't taste, They can't feel pain. They can't respond to anything. They're totally insensitive. And a dead person cannot react. And the same is true for somebody who is spiritually dead. Because if they are apart from God, they cannot know or even understand real truth. They can't understand God's righteousness. They don't know what true inner peace or joy is. See, men apart from God are spiritual zombies. They're the walking dead, and they don't even know that they're dead. See, they go through the motions of life, but they don't possess real life, life the way it was meant to be. And it has nothing to do with the way they live their lives. See, we're not liars because we tell lies. We lie because we are liars. We're not thieves because we steal. We steal because we're already thieves. It's in our nature. So it isn't a matter of how good we are because there are a lot of good people, a lot of good moral people that do a lot of good things in this world. But without Christ, they are still zombies. See, that's why the good, helpful, kind, and considerate person needs salvation as much as the serial killer on death row. The person who is a good parent, a loving spouse, and an honest co-worker They need Jesus to save them from eternal punishment as much as somebody who molests children. Now, see, they don't lead equally sinful lives, but they are in an equally state of sin, and they are equally separated from God and thus spiritually dead. So we literally live in a world full of people who are dead but yet walking around. See, the zombie apocalypse, it's here and now. It's happening right now all around us. And Paul says we were dead, but that's not all he says. Not only were we dead, but we were disobedient. Let me go back and read the whole thing. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, and once you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, Carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. See, mankind's spiritual death, that began in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. And that's when Adam and Eve first believed the lie that Satan presented to them. And they chose to disobey God and follow Satan's plan instead of following God's plan for their lives. And in that single act, Adam and Eve immediately experienced spiritual death. And eventually that led to their physical death. And it's not just for them, it's for all of us. Because of that act, we all are born spiritually dead. And ever since that time that mankind has lived in disobedience to God, and there are three forces that work towards that, there are three things that encourage us towards that disobedience to God. And it's the world, it's the devil, and it's our own flesh. See, Paul says that we're following the course of this world. Our world culture puts pressure on all of us to conform to its values and its morality. And see, most of the time, the world system of what's good and what is right is completely opposite of what God's standard is. See, the world can't even comprehend God's standard because they are spiritually dead. The world doesn't understand Things like love your enemies, die to yourself, turn the other cheek, maintain sexual purity, walk with integrity, be set apart and holy. Those things just don't make sense to the world. For the world, it's get all you can get, love only yourself, do what feels good, sleep together before you get married, lie to impress others around you, Cheat on your taxes, because everybody cheats. Download music from the internet that you didn't pay for. Fit in and be like everybody else. Does any of that hit close to home? See, that's not my standard, it's God's standard. John says this in chapter 1, in 1 John, in chapter 2 of 1 John, he says, For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see and pride in our own achievements. And possessions; these are not from the Father, but are from this world. See, even for those of us who are followers of Christ, the world's standard presses in on us, and it pushes us to conform. And even though we have been raised to a new life in Christ, we still often walk in the graveyard, and we give in to the temptation that Satan has for us. See, the prince of the power of the air. That is Satan. That's him. He's the spirit that works in the children of disobedience. See, there is a, spa- there is a spiritual battle that go- goes on every single day for you, for all of us, for all people. Now, Satan, he's not personally at work in every person's life because he's not omnipresent like God is. But I'm here to tell you he's got a lot of friends. He has a host of a dem- demonic army that is sent out to try to convince you to follow Satan, to give into temptation. He's working to keep us in disobedience. See, he influences the world system. He influences all of our lives. He influences those that don't follow Christ, and he influences those who do. I mean, his goal, his whole goal is to get the whole world, believers and unbelievers alike, to become children of disobedience. And one of the best weapons that he has is the lie. It's the same lie that brought Adam and Eve down. It's the lie that says you're not worthy, that you're not forgivable, that you're not loved by God. It's the lie that says the world has more to offer than God does, that what the world offers is more valuable, more exciting, more fulfilling than God's plan for your life. And a lot of times we buy into that lie. We buy into it, and mostly because it feeds our flesh. And when Paul talks about the passions of the flesh, he's talking about our sinful nature, the nature that we are born with, our fallen nature, we're born with it. It's innate in us. This is a picture of my, my son Alex when he's two, and he's, he's got his head on my lap, and I took a picture of him. And you look at that and you go, oh, what a sweet, beautiful, innocent little boy. Oh, doesn't he look sweet? He's so sweet. Well, here he is after he got into the potting soil that he knows he's not supposed to get into. He knew he wasn't supposed to get into it, but now he's covered from head to toe in dirt. And he thinks it's funny. He's like, ha, 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 I'm all dirty. Until his mom gets on to him (laughs) about not being in the dirt. And he realizes, oh, I did something wrong. See, I can remember him at that age. I can remember Alex walking around, and he would say he had a word he used all the time, mine, 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 mine. It's all mine. Your kids probably did the same thing when they were young. I can remember the first time Alex lied. It was at a very young age. Where does that come from? Where does that selfishness, that pull to disobedience, where does that come from? Because we didn't teach him to lie. We didn't teach him to be selfish. See, it comes prepackaged in us. It's already installed when we're born. See, we act like sinners because we are sinners. We're sinners. We're born that way. And because we're born that way, we're doomed for destruction. Paul continues, and we... And, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. You see, by nature, we are children of wrath. It's who we are. By our deeds, By our deeds, we're children of disobedience. But because we are born into sin, because it's our nature, we are children of wrath by nature, and we're doomed to God's judgment. See, every person who is born is the object of God's wrath. That's why we can never be good enough. We're doomed from the point of birth. We're sinful even as children. And man cannot save himself. But God, in his grace, makes salvation possible. See, when you look at chapter 2 of Ephesians and you look at the first three verses, you have sin working against us. And thankfully, in verse 4, Paul starts with a but. And it's a big, big but. Can I say big but in church? I just did, so I did. But it's a big but. Because if you just stop at verse 3, then there is no hope whatsoever for us. But in verse 4, Paul begins to lay out what God has done for us. And the first thing is, is that he loved us. He says, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love which he loved us, See, by nature, God is love. It's a part of who He is. It's the part of His very being. And as God relates love to us, it comes out as grace and mercy. See, because God is rich in mercy, He does not give us what we deserve, which is death. But instead, through grace, He gives us what we do not deserve, and that's life. And because of that grace, Because of God's love and amazing grace, we are resurrected from that zombie state. In verse 5, he says, Even when we were dead in our trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. See, all of this is made possible because of the death Jesus suffered on the cross. See, it was at the cross that God displayed his hatred for sin but his love for sinners. It's at the cross that God makes life possible for all of us who are dead. We are made alive in Christ, even when we were dead to our own sins. In the gospel, there are three times that Jesus raises people from the dead. One of them is the widow's son, the other one is uh, Jairus' daughter, and the other one is Lazarus. And in each case, Jesus says to the dead person, get up. And they get up. See, Jesus' words have life. They bring life. God's word is life. And when a person hears God's word and he believes through the power of the Holy Spirit, that same picture of physical resurrection that happened to Lazarus and others That same thing happens for a person spiritually who accepts the words of life that Jesus offers. See, they're no longer spiritually dead. They're no longer zombies. They are alive in Christ. Paul calls it walking in newness of life. See, for the first time, we can understand what spiritual truth is. For the first time, we can desire spiritual things because now we have God's nature in us. Now we can see godly things, things that are above, rather than things of this earth. But our spiritual resurrection is much greater than just being able to understand spiritual things. Because see, it puts us in union with Christ. We are united to him, united to him. And therefore we share in the same power of resurrection that Jesus had. And Brian talked about this last week that we have the same power within us that raised Christ from the dead. We have that power in us. It's available to us. And because God has exalted Christ, we have been exalted with him. Paul continues and he says, And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. See, we're not raised from the dead and left in the graveyard. Because we are united to Christ, we have been exalted with him and we are sharing his throne in the heavenly places now our physical position may be on this earth but i'm telling you our spiritual position is seated next to christ on the throne so when god sees us he no longer sees us as zombies he no longer sees us as a dead person he no longer sees us as sinners he sees us as his beautiful child holy and blameless. And he does all this to display his amazing glory so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. See, God's purpose in our redemption is not simply to rescue us from hell. As great as that is, and that is, that is great, as great as that is, that is not his ultimate goal. His ultimate purpose in our salvation is is that for all eternity, the church, those that have been saved, might glorify God's grace. That's why we exist. That's our ultimate purpose, is to to glorify God. And His grace, His way of salvation, His love for us, is one display of God's endless glory. And even though our purpose is to glorify God through salvation, we really don't take much part in it. Paul says this, for grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one can boast. We are saved only by grace, nothing else. Only by grace. I don't know what it is in us that we feel like that we have to have a part in salvation, but oftentimes we do. I think that's the way I used to think a lot. I mean, I understand God's grace in my life and that grace is salvation, but I used to hold on very proudly to the fact that it was my faith in God's grace that saved me. And what I've come to find through study is that I still have it wrong. Because what I believe Paul is saying here, when he says this is not your own doing, it's the gift of God, he's not just saying grace is not your own doing, but faith is not your own doing either. They're both gifts from God. In Romans, Paul says that faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So our faith is provided to us by the Holy Spirit through God's word. I think the only thing a person can do that has any part in salvation is to actually exercise the faith that Jesus has done. When we accept what Jesus did for us on a cross, we are accepting by faith what God has already supplied to us. I know it's hard to understand, but it's kind of like what I talked about a few weeks ago when I said we're chosen by God, but yet we have a free will choice. I know it's paradoxical. I know it is. But that's part of the mystery of God. I think the best analogy that I could come up with is this. Since we're talking about dead people, since we're talking about being dead before salvation, let's pretend we're a person who has drowned. Okay, We're no longer breathing. There's nothing that we can do on our own to start breathing again. There's nothing we can do. If we ever want to breathe again, it will be because somebody else starts us breathing. We can't even make a decision of faith unless God first breathes spiritual life into us. See, faith for us is simply breathing the breath that God's grace supplies. Yet if I don't exercise that faith and if I don't keep on breathing, then I bear the responsibility of not using that breath and I suffer the consequences which are death. Anyways, I think the point that Paul's trying to make here is that God has provided everything that we need in order to be cured from the zombie curse. See, God's grace allows us to be alive in Christ. For us to go from death to life, from brokenness to restoration, from the graveyard to the heavenly throne. That's what God has done for us. And after God has resurrected us, after God performs that in us, we are forever changed, and we become His workmanship. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, the Greek word for workmanship is poema, and it means poem. That's where we get our word poem from. We are God's masterpiece, and it's a work that continues. See, our salvation is not the end. It's actually just the beginning. Paul says in Philippians, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. See, that's been God's plan from the very beginning, to shape us and to mold us into the image of his son, Jesus. We are his workmanship, created in Christ for good works. In other words, what Paul is saying here is that because you have been raised from the dead, you should not live like the dead anymore. You need to start acting like the living And although good works have no part in our salvation, because they don't, they have no part with it, they have a great deal to do with living out our salvation. See, no good works can produce salvation, but many good works are a result of salvation in our lives. The problem for us, for a lot of us, I think, is that we are still stuck in the graveyard wearing our grave clothes. I mean, we've been resurrected, but nobody around us would ever know it by the way we live our lives. I mean, can you imagine Jesus at his resurrection, if he would have just stayed in a tomb with his burial cloth wrapped around him? I mean, how pointless would that have been if Jesus never left the tomb? But instead, the angels that were speaking to the woman looking for Jesus said, why do you seek the living amongst the dead? See, we are alive in Christ. We're alive in Christ. Do you know how powerful that is? I Man, I titled my sermon, I See Dead People. And the reason I did that is because sometimes I look around and it looks like we're just acting like zombies that were burdened down with the worries and frustrations of life. Now don't get me wrong, I know life is tough. It is. It is tough. And sometimes it's really hard. And it's full of intense pain. But remember, Paul is writing this from prison. He's writing this in the middle of his suffering, and he has immense joy doing it. Jesus said suffering would be a part of following him. It's a part of it. The real question is, Do we actually believe that God is in control? I mean, do we actually believe that our suffering has a purpose? That God works out things to our benefit? Do we believe that? If so, we need to act like we believe it and have joy even in the midst of our trials. See, sometimes I don't even think it's intense pain that we go through. Sometimes I think it's just that we're apathetic to God. And I'm not pointing fingers here, I'm not, because I'm just as guilty of this as anybody else. Because whether it's I get up on the wrong side of the bed or I'm arguing with my wife or my kids are screaming in the back, whatever it is, I don't know, I get here and sometimes I just don't want to be here. Much less be engaged in worship or anything else. And that's when I have to stop. I have to stop and I have to remember that I am love by the creator of the universe. I am a child of God, raised to new life. And he deserves my time, my attention, my focus every single minute of the day. And our attitudes should show that. Our worship should definitely express that. See, it's time for us to take off the grave clothes and start living. We have to start living. Jesus said, I came not to just give you life, but I came to give you abundant life. Life in the fullest. But we can't live that life if we never leave the graveyard. I mean, if we continue to wear the grave clothes of sin if we keep buying the lie of Satan, if we never make an effort to throw off our chains, we'll never experience the abundant life that Christ wants for us. Look back in your life in the past year. Are things still the same? Do you still struggle with the same things? Are you any different now than you were then? Are you more like Jesus today than you were a year ago? If not, then why? Why aren't you different? I'm not just talking about sin management here. Listen, I know that we will all sin. And we will continue to sin. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a new way of living. A new life. When Jesus talks about dying to ourselves, he puts it this way. He presents it like this. A seed that falls to the earth. That seed has to die. But when that seed dies, new life comes. And that new life bears much fruit. What fruit are you bearing in your life? Maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking, yeah, that all sounds great. I want to change. I want to live like that. I want that abundant life, but I just can't seem to overcome it. I just can't seem to make the change. Well, you're right. You can't change. You can't do it. But the Holy Spirit that God put inside of you can. And here's how it works. I'm going to give you the magic secret. And I'm going to warn you up front, it's not fancy. It's not this magical transformation that happens and it almost never happens overnight. But here it is. Here's the the formula. Faith produces fruit. Faith produces fruit. It produces change in our lives. But that faith, only comes through the Holy Spirit and that only comes from hearing God's Word. That's it. That's the magical formula. Being in God's Word, knowing more of who He is, praying to Him, seeing Him in the midst of all of our circumstances. Listen, I want to encourage you, if you are not reading God's Word every single day, then you are missing out on abundant life you're missing out on it if you want to remove those grave clothes then you need to start reading god's word if you don't know where to start ask us we'll help you that's what we're here for if you don't have a bible that you can understand make sure you see me before you leave today and i will make sure that you leave today with a bible that you can read and understand I cannot emphasize this enough. Being in God's Word is what transforms our lives. That's the only way. And here's why we need to do it. Because we were made for good works. Your neighbors, your family, your co-workers, those around you who don't know Christ, they have to see that you are living that abundant life in order for them to have hope. Because if you don't live with hope, there is no hope for them. Do you hear what I'm saying? If you're not living with hope, the people around you have no hope. I want to challenge you on something. Next week is Easter. And Easter is one of those days that most people are receptive to an invitation to church. I want you to start praying this week. Pray that God will put somebody on your heart. And then I want you to step out of your comfort zone and I want you to ask somebody in your circle of influence to come to church with you next week. Because if we're not offering hope to those around us, then what's the point of all of this? What's the point of us being here today? Listen, I believe God has a plan for all of us. I believe he has a plan for you. I believe he has a plan for me. I believe he has a plan for all of us here at TBA. Because we have a responsibility to reach this community around us, this community that is in darkness. We have a responsibility to feed and clothe the poor. We have a responsibility to help those in need, to to be there for those that are ignored and abused, to spread the good news, and it is good news, to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. If we're not going to do it, who will? But we can't do that if we're just content to sit in our seats unchanged week after week. We have been raised from the dead by the creator of all creation. It shouldn't just make us feel good. It should be so exciting that we can't contain it within us. Brian talked about it last week, about this light, this light on the hill that should give light to the whole world around us. But if we cover it up with our grave clothes, if we stay in the graveyard, then it doesn't do anybody any good. I'm going to ask the band to come up now, if you guys will come on up. And what I want to do is, if you have never accepted Christ before, maybe you're like, "I, I feel this pulling from the Holy Spirit, but I've never really taken that step to take off the grave clothes and step out of the graveyard. If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, I want to ask you to do that today. And You can write it on your connection card if you want to um, and put it in the offering box and let us know about it or tell us that you want us to talk to you about it. If you feel, if that's what, how you feel comfortable, do that because I definitely want to talk to you about it. But I want to encourage you to even take another step and just to come up here and pray with me after after I get done talking, they're going to sing. If you want to accept Christ and you've never done that, I'm going to be right here in the front and I want you to come up and let me pray with you. Maybe you just need to take your grave clothes off. Maybe you've been resurrected, but you're still walking in the graveyard and you want to make a change. Make that change today. Don't wait. What are you waiting for? Make that change today. I'll be up here to pray with you if you want prayer. Whatever you need as they sing, you guys can come. Let me pray. God, thank you so much for your amazing love for us. God, thank you that that you have raised us to life. God, that we are no longer zombies and that we no longer have to live in the graveyard. Thank you that you have created us for your glory and for your good works. God, help us to embrace that. Help us to embrace the abundant life that you have for us and to live that out every single day. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.